You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 207, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of the podcast features an interview with TJ Stromer of Knife Play. The Philadelphia-based shoegaze outfit is in the early stages of their next phase as a band, which began late last year with the release of two Jeff Ziegler-produced singles, Hurt Someone and Ornament. The two tracks are Stromer's first releases with a new backing band and his first working with an outside producer. They offer a glimpse into the project's huge, fully fleshed-out sound, which will be front and center on their forthcoming second full length. During our interview, Stromer and I chatted about his experiences working with Ziegler, including what it was like collaborating with the renowned engineer over the course of the last year, what it was like transitioning out of the bedroom recording setting, how the band's first live shows in two years went, and much more. Plus, Stromer picked some awesome records, including some choice cuts from Yola Tango, Alex G, and Lou Reed. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, I'm here with TJ of the awesome Philadelphia band Knife Play. TJ, how are you doing today, man? Great. Um, great to be here. Great to have you. So, Knife Play released two tracks in November, Heard Someone and Ornament. You've been working on a new record as well, your second full length, which should be out sometime this year. Before we dive into that, though, unfortunately, it's been like a really weird time. There's been a big uh, change in circumstances with respects to to uh, playing music live again. It seemed like we were out of the woods with it. People were playing gigs again. I know you played a couple of gigs in the fall I saw in Philly. Uh, Did this recent wave affect the band at all uh, with the Omicron variant? Did you have shows that you had to cancel recently? Yeah, we we just canceled three. Uh, It was going to be like a little weekend thing. Um, You know, it's... It sucks, obviously, but I guess we just see it as we're just going to keep practicing and keep doing our best. And whenever they come back, you know, we'll be excited about it. Yeah, you were able to play two shows in October, I saw, after a pretty long layoff. It's been a long layoff for a lot of bands and musicians. How was it to get back on stage again? And were you able to play new material uh, that you've been working on and if so what was the reception like oh yeah it was great i mean it, i think we did four shows total um so far and it was like a refreshed lineup too so um yeah we were just getting better and better every show um and you know i think as far as reception I feel like it was good. You know, there's our people who come to see us and seems like, you know, some people enjoy it. And um, yeah, we're we're just excited because we have we do have a really good lineup right now. I feel like. Yeah. You mentioned that this record that you've been working on for the last year, I think it's done now and you're just waiting on releasing it, right? Yeah, pretty much. We don't know how. We're technically independent still for this yeah, record, yeah, yeah. so it does. We're just figuring out what we want to do, like as far as I guess the business end of it, however you want to yeah. call it. But that. for this record, you basically worked with a completely new lineup 
new backing band, new band entirely. What was that transition like for you? And what was it like to work with a whole new crew of musicians on this record? Um, so the transition was long because, I mean, I got these guys. Well, the, the Our bass player has been with us since the beginning, but I got these guys kind of one by one as the old members like filed yeah. out, you know, um, so we, we were like right before the pandemic started, we were just getting like, we did a little tour with this lineup and we were like, all right, we're getting tight, starting to write some new songs. Um, and then for 2020, we, we took a little time off and then we basically just started writing like as a group, like I would, um, I would write like the words and the, you know, I got a verse, I got a chorus, whatever. We would go to practice and, and work the songs out. And as far as like these guys, um, I, as I love every one who's been in this band and all their contributions, you know, but, uh, right now it's like, uh, everyone takes it, uh, pretty seriously, I feel. And, and they're all really talented musicians, uh, just as far as like uh, technical ability too. Yeah. So it's kind of like it, it's really nice because it just feels like I don't know. It feels like we can get to work, you know, when we get together, and and we all kind of are on the same inspiration, the same like energy with it. And it just, it's, it's been flowing really well. Yeah. So you mentioned something that I feel like obviously many, many bands had to deal with stopping and then starting again at the onset of the pandemic. But depending on the band, you could have been at a different point in your progression or what you were working towards. And it sounds like this band knife play around March, 2020 was really getting in a groove with touring, working on new material. And then all of a sudden, the rug was kind of pulled out from under you. How'd you respond to that uh, in particular? I know you probably couldn't meet and collaborate immediately with your bandmates, but was it deflating for you? Did you kind of take time off from songwriting on your own? Or did you try to react quickly and take that time to work on music uh, independently? Yeah, honestly... I must say um, it was more of a positive thing for me in just for where I was in that time because I was able to stop working for a while like a lot of people and uh, I just I just put my ideas together and and I was putting all my ideas together with all this time I had that was like creative work and then at the same time um, I put out this B-Sides yeah, yeah. record and it ended up doing like way better than I expected. And um, that that just was, I kind of snapped, like, cause I, I ended up getting like a little bit of money from it. And then I was at home, like I would wake up, like start working on my music, you know? And they kind of like snapped me to where I was like, I really, really want to do this like all the way, the right way. And like be fully dedicated to this and, uh, so I feel like that pause that everyone had together, like for me, ended up working out because it kind of opened my eyes to like, just snap into like, really putting everything into what we're doing. And like, that ended up with uh, me saving up all this money to go into a studio and and so forth. Awesome. Before we get into the new uh, material, I did want to just ask you quickly about this B-Sides and Rarities comp compilation. It's basically a collection of unreleased songs uh, that you recorded over the course of, I guess, the five years prior, 2015 to 2020. Were most of these like finished and recorded songs, or was it kind of a mix of stuff that you had lying around that was recorded and you put together? and then maybe snippets of song ideas that you further worked on and put into this uh, collection. Yeah, there was a few things I had to like 
tighten up or like actually one song I completely re-recorded it um and there's like I had to just you know get a few details squared away on different songs but uh for the most part it was just songs sitting around that um didn't flow with yeah. our records or I just felt like I was done with them but I felt like I wanted to get them out there and I feel like what ended up being cool about that album is that like it gives an it gives a little bit of everything that we do kind of um and and I feel like you know they're all home recorded so it kind of takes you into that like I guess setting that I was in when I was making them yeah, that's a cool way to approach something like this because I know many bands approaching making a record. Cohesion is definitely something to consider as far as how you want the whole record to flow and sound like. But for something like this, it sounds like that's not much of a concern. So it's kind of eliminating that thing to stress over. Think yeah, about. I definitely had the sequence in mind, but I basically thought of it more like a mixtape yeah. or something you know and like some of the stuff on there even it i kind of think is a goofy or something but like i just wanted to get it out there i guess i don't know very cool so for this new record that you're working on and the uh two songs that you released in november you worked with uh, jeff ziegler very well-known uh producer engineer from philadelphia who's behind so many great uh, records over the last decade. You know, Kurt Vile, Nothing, War on Drugs, Mary Lattimore. Uh, what was it like uh, co-producing this record with him? Because, you know, he's someone that is outside of the band. You know, previously you were self-producing uh, your songs. I know the, the first one you co-produced with the bandmate Cameron Connor. So what was that like uh, co-producing uh, with someone that wasn't in the band or just solely you? It was great with him. And, uh, you know, that was always something that I was fearful of doing is like getting into a more professional environment, I guess, like that. But uh, me, me and Jeff met up just to kind of have a meeting about it, like in February of 2020. And uh, I immediately, like, felt that we communicated about music well because I was trying to just explain how I like to do things and just put myself out there and just see how he responded. And, and the meeting went really well, but then at the time I had no money for it and so forth and uh, ended up getting a better job later and we had all these songs so I got back to them and uh, it, it did work out really well. We spent, I mean, we started in February and I had my last session yesterday, so it took a while. Um, but it, it was, I mean, we communicate well and he's not afraid to try stuff and I'm not afraid to try stuff. And I think his reference points for music are really in tune with what I was trying to do. So like, if I had an idea that, and I'm not really that professional with production and stuff, so I don't always have like the right language for it, but it almost seemed like he had my idea, like he knew exactly what I was trying to say and he just made it happen effortlessly most of the time. So, um, you know, great working relationship and he's a great guy too. So it was just easy. I mean, it wasn't easy, you know, but it was easy going. It was, I I got a lot out of it. Um, I feel like I grew a lot making the album artistically and so forth. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. Was there anything of his that stood out to you before you decided to work with him that made you think, you know, this is a guy that I really want to work with after hearing a particular record? Well, I mean, his records have a great sound to them. So I was kind of under the impression that he could just do anything, yeah. you know, if I was able to dream it up, so to speak. But um, I, I guess the biggest thing was he's worked on so many different styles. And, you know, our new album, it, it has like a, it's a it's a heavier rock album, like 
you would expect, but it has a lot of like folk instrumentation too, and a lot of different things going on. So based on everything that he had done and like just his kind of openness that I sensed, I thought it would be, he would be a good fit because our records have so many layers and everything and like so many different textures. And I, I thought, that he would be able to handle it, you know, and he handled it really well. So he mixed a friend of mine's uh, records, a guy named Chris Janone. He plays as CR in the nuns and he worked with Jeff on his record. And I remember him going to Jeff and being like, Oh, sorry. There's so many like tracks on these records. <laughs> and I don't know. It was maybe like a hundred tracks or something. He's like, you should see Ooh. like a war on drugs <laughs> record or something. Where it's like hundreds and hundreds of tracks for each song. So, yeah, I know we had a lot, but whenever I said, whenever I would say something like that, or like, oh, sorry, I know I'm nitpicking or this or that, he'd be like, oh, don't worry, I've seen worse. <laughs> like, no matter what I said, yeah. you know. That's funny. So, that's cool. It must have been a fun experience. Was it, was it hard for you at first to kind of, uh, work with someone else since you kind of seem to have done records on your own for the most part well the first handful of sessions i would just be really nervous yeah. and i'd have to piss a lot um and i think it's just because i didn't know jeff like i was just like oh this guy's like so professional experience <laughs> whatever and i would just be like just so you know, I'm nervous right now. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, and, and eventually I was going in there so much, like once or twice every week. And eventually I just let go of that. And I mean, as far as it, it I, I went in with the mentality of like, this is going to work. I'm, I want to make a great record. Like I'm just going for it. So I think I was able to like, I don't know. Just I just leaned into it, and eventually, it we just started clicking, and, and I didn't even think about it, you know. Totally. Yeah, I read that you recorded this record, and you've mentioned it kind of in like a piecemeal process, going in once or twice a week over the course of several months, instead of maybe knocking it out over the course of a couple of days or something like a lot of bands and artists do, just going to the studio, do the tracking, and then you're done with it in like a week or something like that. Um, You know, like you said, it is sounds kind of like a relaxed process where you're free of kind of those imposed like time limitations, which could maybe rush things or lead to a record, maybe not sounding the way you exactly want it to sound. So how do you think kind of that more relaxed process where you're able to go in once or twice a week for like a year uh, affected the end product and how the record sounds. I would say it was positive because it seems like, oh, we had all this time to like, you know, drill at it to get it exactly how we want it and so forth. But it, it would have been that whether we did this, the reason I did it that way is because I had to go to work yeah. every day. You know what I mean? And I had to like refill my money to do it every week and stuff like that but uh i mean i've never done a record all in one chunk before but we already had all of the music completely written so i feel like it probably would have resulted in the same thing because uh we were just going in there and chipping away at it until it was done either way yeah your first record was kind of a shorter process, though, right? It didn't take as long to record, even though you, you self-recorded it at home? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say. So, yeah, the way that one worked, it, it takes me a long time to write the yeah. records. That's, that's the longest thing. So it's like, I can't remember, like, the first time that I recorded a song that would end up on that record you know um but once once i demoed them all at home and then we did the drums talking about the first record of course with uh cameron and then i and i just put all my demo files into his session and we mixed it together 
as far like I feel like they're probably about the same length yeah. that it took. It's just like different parts of the process took the time. Like when we did the mixing and the recording of the drums, that didn't take very long at all. But I guess it's really just as I write songs, figuring out which ones are going to make it to the album and then eventually having enough that I feel like fit the same narrative, you know? Yeah, totally. And for the two songs you released in November, Hurt Someone and Ornament, to me, listening to them, they're both really great songs, but there seems to be like a clear dichotomy and mood between the two. I feel like Hurt Someone is more ethereal sounding. Ornament is kind of more abrasive. Uh, and it's entirely uh, an instrumental. Uh, what was your thought process behind presenting those two songs uh, together like that? Since they seem to be kind of opposite sounding in some respects. So just to talk about Ornament for a second, um, that was actually a small section of a song that I wrote like before I even put any music out for this project. And I just ended up, I liked that section and I made a loop about it, of it, excuse me. And I just kept coming back to it and had nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it. And then Hurt Someone was written uh, in the early part of 2020, I believe. And that song kind of came together. It's like, it's way more pop oriented than most of our stuff. It's kind of has this like grunge feel as like a chorus that's catchy i guess and like so forth it's not really a type of song we do a lot of so i guess i put ornament with it because um almost out of desire to like balance that yeah. out because i've i almost felt a little like embarrassed by having this like catchy pop song so i wanted to put something you know more noise or it, I, I just i remembered that i was like oh that'd be perfect to like balance out this little record you know and would you say that is that a preview of what's to come would you say for the the next full length what can people expect that have heard you know these two tracks for the rest of the record and will these two songs be on the the full length or are these separate no they're their own thing um i feel like the similarities would just be that it's us and you're going to be, you'll see the same kind of writing, but it, there's not a lot of that. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't even say this because we don't, somebody might say this, Oh, I don't want to put that record out maybe <laughs> or something, but it's not, it's, it's not going to be like this catchy poppy yeah. thing. You know, it's, it's like we, it's similar to our first record. It's like a lot of those ideas we took and just pushed them further. I mean, there's a lot of longer songs, slower songs. Um, it we just there's there's I mean, there's pop elements to it. It's very melodic, of course, and everything. But um, I feel like "Hurt Someone" is very. It's like kind of Nirvana-ish. Yeah. Has like that quick hit vibe, almost. And uh, there's not as much of that vibe on the on the new record. I feel like the songs just take their time a little bit more. Cool. Well, that's super exciting for sure. I mean, these two songs, were, were the, these are songs that you worked on with Jeff and they definitely sound when compared to Pearl T, the songs on Pearl T, which are also great, but they, these sound definitely sound bigger. Uh, wh- what do you attribute that to? Is it the fact that you kind of went into the studio uh, with Jeff now and you guys spent some time really mixing it and trying to create lots and lots of layers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had all the layers written and I had a demo of it and the demo just sounds flat, yeah. you know, but uh, he just makes everything pop, brings everything to life. Uh, it's just a mix of his, his wisdom on it and all the gear that he has and, you know, and that was like the biggest appeal to going to him is like, since our songs have so much going on and they have this like climactic tendency, I guess we felt like 
they would benefit from uh, more experience production. Cool. And so when do you have a set release date for this record or anything like that? No, because like I said, we're still trying to figure out who's going to put it out and everything. Um, I would predict the fall, probably. That's what I hope for. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about a knife play live show. I know you got the opportunity to play a handful of shows in the fall. As we talked about, live shows seem to be on hold a little bit again. Uh, what can people expect from your live show? Hmm. I mean, you know, we try to play a little bit of everything from the catalog and you know i mean we just play the songs with as much passion as possible and i don't know it's hard to say it's hard to say what to expect we're getting better and better you know um just uh i just i hope that if, if it's something people enjoy that we'll do it justice to what they want and uh It'll be, you know, make them feel something. Totally. Just to circle back to Ornament and Hurt Someone again. Uh, Hurt Someone has some, like, really uh, beautiful parts. There's a great string section on the track. How'd that work its way into the song? Was that something that you had envisioned possibly being in there after you had finished writing it? When, When did that idea come to life? Um, well, so our keyboard player, Max, he writes all of the string parts. Um, and I guess we started working with strings because our first record has a lot of MIDI strings. So he was like learning all that. And then I guess once we started going to write music, he was, I mean, he has keyboards that have a million different instruments in them and so forth. But I guess he, he kind of knew what sort of instruments would serve the songs based on what we had already done. So he, he wrote that and, um, and, uh, it was played by Julia Peters on cello and Molly Germer on violin. And I guess just from jamming and like demoing it, you know, we'll sit down, I'll sit down with Max and be like, Oh, what are you feeling for this? We'll try different, sounds different keyboards and so forth and once we figured on the strings being in there you know just worked and you had mentioned that for ornament it was a piece or snippet that you had written before this project even started and you decided to include it as a song on this uh, single how'd you wind up revisiting it did it just pop into your head that, oh, yeah, I wrote that. I'm going to dig it up and put it here to accompany hurt someone? Or were you kind of like surfing through maybe a hard drive or something and you found it and thought it'd be a good idea to include? Yeah, I was going through stuff like around the time I put the B-sides thing together. I was just going through everything yeah. I had. And uh at the time, I was still conceptualizing the record and everything, so I had like hurt someone on the track list for the record. Um, and I guess for ornament, I just figured I liked it so much that I didn't want to just dump it on the B sides. I wanted to hang on to it, and I don't know if I knew then that it would work out that way, but I because I I did I like remixed it. When around that same time, and I don't know why I didn't put it on there, but I guess something just told me hang on to it. And then Jeff ended up doing the final mix on it. Nice, cool. That's a great story about how that track wound up there. Always cool to hear the origins behind how songs sit next to each other like that on a single. Yeah, I always. I mean, not so much now because we just finished up so much, but it, I will always have unfinished scraps of things, songs. I like this part, not that part. And like, it was really nice to find a home for that finally, 
you know? Yeah. So are you kind of a songwriter that doesn't really like to scrap ideas? You kind of just accumulate them, save them, and then dig them back up again. Because I know certain songwriters, writers in general, you know, if they work on something and they determine, you know, it's crap. I don't like it. They'll just like, you know, delete it, tear it up and never think about it again. Whereas other people like to, you know, anything that's kind of a formulation of an idea, they like to save it just in case. Is that something you like to do? Yeah. I mean, especially because, you know, I'm, I still feel like I'm just starting. It's only our second album. But like when I was really, really just starting, I was just recording any idea I would I would just open up my computer and write the song with the computer basically so I ended up having so much more um and and yeah I definitely like to hang on to stuff I didn't want to scrap stuff there's very few things that I've just scrapped outright and I even have a little list in my iTunes of like b-sides too and there's like a song on there that I just didn't think was good the whatever week I put the B-sides one together and now I'm like oh that's actually good so I should put yeah. it out eventually but I think moving forward like I write so much differently now like I I just sit with the lyrics so much longer and like the actual structure of the song more almost like a folk songwriter probably would approach it so now it's like i can kind of sense if i don't like something or if i'm not being like totally honest with something before i even sit down to demo it at all so it ends up being that like i'm not gonna have all these scraps probably sitting around because i just they're in my head you know at this point so one last question before we wrap up the first part just generally, what's what's next for Knife Play? I know you mentioned shopping the record around, possibly released in the fall. Uh, what what else is on the agenda for 2022? I really want to just keep practicing with this lineup and learn as many of our songs as possible, get sounding really good, and also write new songs because... I feel like this whole year I was occupied in the studio so much and also working a job that I kind of didn't focus on actually writing new stuff. So, but I have a lot of ideas and I know it's going to come when it comes. It'll be, it'll be good. So I guess just, just getting, getting back to that connection, you know, and just keep, keep getting better and, doing everything that we're doing is this your first like formal band because you said when you were just starting out was that like somewhat recently or um for knife play yeah yeah i mean we we started in like 2017 as playing shows and stuff um i mean i've had the band since then but now it's like Now it's a band. It's not just me, you know. All right. So now we're going to play some Knife Play tunes, including the two recently released singles, Hurt Someone and Ornament. And then we're going to play a track from the band's 2020 B-Sides compilation, 12 Strings.
We just heard three knife play tracks, the two recently released singles, Hurt Someone in Ornament, and we threw in 12 Strings, which appears on the band's awesome 2020 B-Sides and Rarities comp. Check out knifeplayforever.bandcamp.com to hear all of these tunes. All right, so let's go through the records that TJ selected. By the way, everyone, TJ's name is also Tom slash Thomas, <laughs> as is my name. So let's start out with Bob Dylan, real name Robert Zimmerman. <laughs> All the Tired Horses off of Self Portrait. Tell us a little bit about uh, why you picked this song and record. So I probably have only listened to that record once but I've listened to that song like hundred yeah. times, probably. I just think it's so beautiful. And I think it's the best way, not the best, there's no best way, but I think it's a really creative, amazing way to open an album. And um, it, it that song's so inspiring to me. Just the whole aesthetic of it is beautiful. And like the way it functions as an album, album opener is beautiful and, yeah, I I feel like I took a little page from that uh, for our new record. That I won't say any more about it. Yeah, but don't spoil it, took, everyone. Everyone, you're going to have to I wait won't. patiently, yeah. But it'll be <laughs> worth the wait. And also, Bob Dylan is just such a great writer, obviously. One of the best of all time, and I've been into him since I was a kid, so... We love you, Bob Dylan, another a legendary songwriter. Up next, Lou Reed, The Bells, the song Families. I think my favorite song on this uh, record. I really like <laughs> his singing voice on this, this track. Uh, the lyrics are really great. Also, his guitar playing on this song is really good. And the way he works in. Uh, some brass on this track as well. So big fan, good selection. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my favorite thing about him, which he's known for and is showcased really great here, is that like he can sing a song about any subject and like in just this really honest, open way. And uh, it's a beautiful song and like something a lot of people like i definitely relate to it um yeah i don't know he's one of my favorites of all time probably just so groundbreaking it's such a legend he's fucking cool too just like a cool yeah new york guy and like i picked this song because i feel like people always shit on his like mid to late solo stuff but i love it i love everything i've heard from him and like for me i I take the writing probably as like the first thing I think about with songs. So as, as him being this like really groundbreaking writer and so fearless, it, it's just really inspiring yeah, I to me. I never understand why people like really shit on his like early 80s, late 70s output because the bells is great. Uh, you know, this is this is interestingly enough too. just these are kind of records that I've only really gotten into the last few years too. You know, I feel like everyone knows the, the big ones, but I kind of really wanted to dive in deeper into all of his solo records. And there's so many good tracks on the bells. Same with the, the blue mask. So I'm a big fan yep. of mid period, uh, his mid period solo stuff. Yeah. So, sometimes it's like a big bite to chew on so to speak but it's definitely it, it definitely pays off if you sit down and listen to it i think baby sister i heard that you got married 
I heard that you had yourself a little baby girl too. And here's some uncles and some cousins I know vaguely. And would you Alright now Big Thief The song Forgotten Eyes off of Two Hands. Yeah, so they're probably I don't listen to a whole lot of like contemporary artists and stuff, but they're probably one of my favorites. And I actually have this playlist called Sacred Playlist. It's on my <laughs> Spotify. And uh all of these songs actually not all, but the first three songs that we're talking about here and then also Walk On and Great Gig are on there. But basically this song brought tears to my eyes when I heard it as many other songs do and and just like I don't know of another band right now that's so tight and like and just like tasteful and like in the pocket but also at the same time like so moving and uh, I saw them and there was just absolute unit like I just I want to like embody that energy you know what i mean um i think they're like a shining star of like what a great band is yeah they can really command a room i will say Alex G. Walk off of Beach Music. Yeah, so I had to put Alex on here because, um, as with many people my age making records, uh, he was one of the people that inspired us to yep. do that. Um, you know, I think a big thing with him that was groundbreaking is like it's so clear that he's doing whatever he wants with his songs and I feel like it, it just for me it opened my mind to create along with a lot of other people too and just like the uh I was like really close to the scene when he was coming up in Philly and yeah. stuff and like so it was just the whole energy of it but like just the fearlessness and like and just the tinkering element of it and you know sit down like work on an idea whatever happens like it doesn't have to be this or this or this it's like he's he's very original and this song is is beautiful to me beautiful song as well yeah i was just talking with a friend the other day about alex g's tremendous influence on so many uh contemporary songwriters it's really huge how influential he's been yeah i was actually lucky enough to live with one of his old drummers um around the time that album came out and uh it it was just really exciting time and i feel like i feel like another thing with him too is like i mean he's like it, it kind of like made it seem possible to actually make a career out of music yeah. for a lot more people too, which maybe could be seen as a bad thing. But uh, I don't know. It, ins- inspiration for me in all across the board, creatively and professionally and everything. So. This is a frequently picked record because it's a great one and my favorite Neil Young record. 
walk on off of on the beach. So, you know what's funny? Track four, we have Alex G. Walk, <laughs> beach music. Track five, walk we on. have Neil Young, walk on on the beach. <laughs> but yeah, I love this song. I think it's a great album opener, too. Um, and it just it has this like it has this like middle finger energy to it you know with the the whole delivery and and what the song's about and everything and like it just makes me feel great to listen to it and it makes me want to like just the, the way he reflects on things is so inspiring to me and the way he like it seems like he has so much wisdom because he must be so reflective and uh he he processes like these experiences that everyone knows about in such a simple way that it it's easy for us to latch on to it you know yeah he is super wise very wise man they do their thing. Gig in the Sky by Pink Floyd off of Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, so Pink Floyd was one of my earlier like favorite bands as a kid that my mom showed me. And I saw a cover band over the summer called Brain Damage play this. And it made me cry, actually. It was so amazing. Um, so I love this song. Oh, and I I saw this interview with the lady who sang on yeah. this song, and she said, this is just paraphrasing. I don't know exactly what she said. I'm going to attempt to paraphrase it, but she said something like, I was thinking of the pain of segregation when I was wow. singing on this song, and like, yeah, I just, I gravitate towards stuff like that because for me like I try to bring this like truth yeah. and like genuine whatever to music and stuff and then aside from that like the way Floyd makes records is inspiring to me because I try to make like a really vast record that you know dark size obviously like I mean I don't know exactly how they made it but it's it's very carefully like crafted yeah. and like instrumented and everything. It's like everything's in its right place and produced this perfect way. And like that's definitely how I approach things. I don't I don't try to hold back with like if I have an idea, I go for it. No limitations on instruments or anything like that, you know. Last, Night Falls on Hoboken by Yola Tango off of their awesome 2000 album. And then nothing turned itself inside out. Yeah, so talking about a couple of great album openers on the playlist. Great but this album is such closer. a great closer. Yeah. Um, and they're probably one of my favorite bands too for like similar reasons as as the others is just like they do whatever they want and uh there's so much feeling in it and i saw that i've seen them twice live and they're probably one of my favorite bands to see um second time i saw them they did like a quiet first yeah. set and then they came out and they just ripped it the second set you know um so th this song's great because it has like the ambient stuff at the end. And I always put this album on to fall asleep to. Um, it's just it's just beautiful. And I think everything they do is is beautiful because 
like their music it just it comes from feeling and that's why it's so uh eclectic i think because they're going off of whatever they feel at that time and whatever they want to do they're not going off of we got to be yola tango and do this you know it's yeah they do them and they are one of the all-time greats for sure absolutely TJ, sadly, coming to the end of today's episode of Look at My Records. But thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was a blast speaking with you. Oh, thank you, too. It was it was nice to think about all that stuff. Totally. Too. Everyone, you can check out Hurt Someone and Ornament on Bandcamp at knifeplayforever.bandcamp.com. They're on all streaming platforms as well. Looks like everything you got here is sold out, though, everyone. So if you snoozed, <laughs> it's too late. You can get the digital download, though. Yeah, there'll be more merch <laughs> at some point. That's great <laughs> that you everybody cleaned house for all Knife Play stuff. Pearlty limited edition cassette sold out. Shirt, the Heard Someone cassette too, also sold out. So, hey, it's a hot item, dude. I'm happy to see that. We're grateful. <laughs> We're very grateful. Thanks, man. Happy New Year. All right. Thank We're you. We're going to play one more track from Knife Plays, B-Sides, and Rarities compilation to end the program. This one is called Iowa Swarm. Mm-hmm.